Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. Praise the Lord. Uh, we continue with this study, and um, Jesus coming in the cloud. When it comes with His coming in the cloud, this is part eight. But I mean, the rainbow angel is supposed to be part eight, but coming with the cloud, this is part five. And again, we, we continue with Revelation 10. That's where our test is coming from. And so Revelation 10 again, the Bible says, And I saw another mighty angel came down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head. And his face was that it were the sun, and his feet as pillar of fire. Now, there is particular scripture that we're going to be dealing with today, and that is, First Thessalonians 4, verse number 7. First Thessalonians 4, verse number 7. Team, rather. Number 17. And uh, this is one of the major passages where the doctrine of the rapture is actually fully more emphasized. Uh, this Bible says, then, then we, we are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we always be with the Lord. This is New King James. But it's okay. Uh, there are some things I would like you to take a look at here. If we want to look at it from the perspective of the rapture doctrine, does it believe that we'll go with the Lord, we'll be raptured up after the tribulation will come down? But that's not exactly what the Bible says there. It says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. So there is no going and coming. If you ever go, you remain. That's what the Bible says there. I mean, do you notice that? Very good. But there are so many elements we nearly need to deal with. Uh, I'm not going to take full time to do on that. But in relation to the coming of the clouds, which is our main concern, before taking a critical look on that, there are some things I would like us to observe in relation to the Lord's coming in this sense. For instance, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, there we are told. He came with the clouds of heaven. Daniel 7, 13. Verse 13. And I saw in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. That is Daniel 7, 13. He came with clouds. This is a vision. Right? Okay. Mighty 26, verse 64. We'll find out he is sitting... At the right hand of power, I'm coming in the clouds of heaven. 
Look at that. He's sitting. What did you say? What are you? 26 verse 64. Right. Okay. Jesus said unto them, Thou hast seen, nevertheless I see unto you, hereafter I shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, and what? Coming in the class of heaven. I tried to mention this, I think, last week or so. You can't be sitting and coming simultaneously. That's at the same time. You can only be sitting in a vehicle that takes you on. So if you're going to be coming and you're sitting, that means so that you're sitting in a car or you're in a plane or something. Is that okay? Praise God. Okay? I just want you to note this. Some of the usage or the application of this word cloud, the way it comes. And so Luke 21, let's look at Luke 21, verse 27. Luke 21, 27. And it says, again here we see Jesus coming in a cloud. You see, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. I want you to observe the application of this world's cloud. And so in 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 13, yet again we are told he comes to be glorified in his sins. 1 Thessalonians 3 13. Okay, look at that. To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father are the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his sins. All his sins. Okay? Coming together with his sins. Um, 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16. Let's look at that. 1 Thessalonians 4 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Now I want you to see that again. With a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise forth with a shout, with a trump. Are you seeing that? Wait, 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 wait. I want you to understand that. It's very important. Second Thessalonians one verse seven. Second Thessalonians one verse seven. The Bible says, "He is to be revealed." If you look at it, it said, "Unto you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus Christ shall be revealed from heaven." With his mighty angels. So you continue to see any time he's moving, he's moving with a company of people. Did you notice that? Very good. That tells you that this company of people equals the cloud with which he's moving. Hallelujah. Okay. Look at Colossians 3, verse 4. Colossians 3, verse 4. It says, And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Then shall we appear with him, what? In glory. He doesn't move without a people. It's always through people that he reveals himself or that he moves. Is that okay? And then we, last week we looked at Jude 14. If you remember, Jude 14. He said, and it came to pass, Jude 14, not Judges, Jude, the book of Jude the last book to Revelation. Jude 14 talks about his coming with 10,000 of saints. And Enoch also, the seven, from, the seven from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 
of sins. Always with a people. That's what I'm trying to make you see. And then again, you know, look at Revelation chapter 1 verse number 7. He comes with what? With clouds. Praise God. Okay, so if you go through the whole of this chart or what we've just done here, comparing those scriptures, you'll be able to see how he comes. He's always coming with or in. With or in. That's the point I want you to note. You see? It's very, very important. So what does it really mean to be coming within or with? Like in that um, mighty we read, this mighty 26 and uh, 64, it talks about his coming, sitting and coming. Now the sitting and coming, the word coming there is the Greek word ekomaya. And a command actually means to come or go, to accompany, to appear, to bring clothes. It means to grow. Then when he said, Son of Man coming, sitting, and, I mean, coming and sitting, you know, sitting and coming in. The word in, in that same Matthew, is epi or epi. And it's a primary preposition, actually meaning a superimposition of time, place, order, or time as a relation of distribution. I want you to pick that. A superimposition of time, place, order, or whatever as the relation of distribution. Now, this is. I tried to explain this story some time ago. Paul used the same word when he said, Do we need a letter of commendation from you or to you? In other words, do we need anything to identify or authenticate the fact that we are apostles? Say, You are our epistles. And the word epistles there means a superimposition. Is that okay? So a superimposition is an indication that maybe you took a picture before and then you took another one on top of the first picture. What happened is you can hardly see or as it were you be seeing the last picture or the first picture faintly as compared to the last one you took. You have superimposed the last picture on the first one. Is that okay? So if this is superimposition that means the last thing that is coming forth is going to be more prominent as compared to the first. What that means is the church becoming the superimposition of the Christ. Jesus was more or less, if I may use the word, the superimposition of God. In the sense that everything that he was doing, it was God. But you wouldn't see God, you see him. I don't know if I'm getting that. You see Christ, but all the miracles were done by God who dwelt in Him. Good. So find that a church coming to the place where Christ will be doing whatever they needed to do through the church. So in order for you to see the church, I mean to see Christ, you got to see the church. The church becoming a superimposition of Christ. Are you there with me? That's the, almost the meaning of the word in, coming in. You see? It's a superimposition. Okay. Let's look at that first Thessalonians chapter four, verse sixteen. First Thessalonians four, verse sixteen. 
And uh, he says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with, now what, with? He says, shout, with the voice of the archangel, with trump of God. The word I want you to see that the emphasis is the word with. And that word with is also E-N. Right? Denoting a fixed position in place, time, or state. And by implication, instrumentality. Instrumentality. Uh, and I like that. Relation of press. Instrumentality. What is that supposed to mean? That means that is the instrument with which he reveals himself. So when you say with, that means when you say with a shout, with a voice, with. It is that thing that carries him. The trump is basically something, you know, it's just a trumpet. Trumpet actually stands for message. You should understand that. Trumpet is not a literal thing that God is going to use or Jesus is going to use when he's coming down. Then you're going to see. I remember some time ago, early time, and then I got this magazine and um, talking about the last message. And the guy who designed the magazine, the pastor has an angel with seven trumpets in his mouth. You know, as if that's literally the way it's going to be. But nothing to do with that. Trumpet speaks of a message. Seven makes perfection. So the seven trumpet is a perfect message. Very simple. That's what it stands for. It's not a literal trumpet that is to be blown. So that's the point. So here he says, it's coming with. So the voice, and you know, if you take time to look at that, the voice actually, when he's talking about a shout, the Greek word, the original meaning, means a command. The shout. So it's a shout of a commander, of an army. So you see, the, the man cannot be shouting without an army accompanying him. That's what it stands for. We need to understand this. And then when you say the voice of the archangel, the word arch there means chief. Chief angels. So, and now the Bible tells us that in everything, he must have the preeminence. So, automatically, he becomes the chief angel of the Father. It is whatever he is that any other person can become. Is that okay? Right. So, he's the chief angel or the archangel. Somebody says, you can't call Jesus an angel. He's a messenger of the covenant. Malachi 4 tells us that. Is that okay? The word angel equals what? Messenger. It's the same thing. Praise God. You know? We, we, sometimes we look at angel, anytime we look at angel, we think about it has to do with something that has wings. That's not exactly what it is. Because Revelation uh, 2, 3 tells us to the angel of the seven churches. And the other translation will just give you to the pastors of the seven churches. They were angels of the seven churches. Messengers to the seven churches. And they were pastors. So angel doesn't really mean somebody that has the wing. If, if anything, to describe whatever have creatures that have wings, they are supposed to be cherubim and seraphims. The cherubim are on top of the ark. They are wings, not angels. Angels are messengers. Hallelujah. Are you, are you there? Let's look at verse 17 of uh, uh, 4 Thessalonians 4, verse 17. We have to be able to give us something very precise here. Uh, and it says... Then which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. And this is very crucial. To meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be. Wheat in verse 17 is different from wheat in verse 16. Wheat in 17 is S-U-N. 
in the Greek pronunciation is soon. Right? And then this is a primary preposition denoting union. Union. Joining. Is that okay? With or together. That is by association. A companionship. It speaks of process, resemblance, possession, instrumentality, and then addition. And that's very powerful. The word wheat in this place means, you watch that, them which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the Lord in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, the word with them is the key point. In association with the clouds. That okay? Praise the living God. So now, for you to truly understand the language of Apostle Paul here, you've got to be able to see some element that is missing in this translation. I mean, in the way we read it. We don't read certain things which have some vital importance in studying it. Okay, let's quickly look at verse 15 of this chapter. And then I'll show you something there. It's hidden, but it's so important if you must understand First Thessalonians 4. And this is what it says. For this we will say unto you by the word of the Lord, that they which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. We're going to explain this, but let me pick the, the main point here that I, I want to raise for you. The word is, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Now there is nowhere in scripture where Paul is about to say it's written. It's not, it's not referencing any Old Testament stuff. It's not referencing what Jesus said. It's not referencing what God said. But it's said by the word of the Lord. What is that supposed to mean? Let me show you. I want to give you a typical example of this. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 13. 1 Kings chapter 13. Let's read from verse 12. 1 Kings 13 verse number 12. We'll read up to 14 to 16. Okay, let's go. So here... Uh, this is the background to this is the, the, the young, young prophet that was sent to go destroy the altar in the realm of Jeroboam, right? And their father said unto them, what? Okay, alright. What way went he? For his son, for his son has seen what way the man of God went which came from Judah, that the young prophet. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me the ass, this is the old prophet talking now. Saddle me the ass, so that they saddle him the ass, and he rose thereon. Then the Bible says, And he went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And then he said unto him, Are thou the man of God that came from Judah? And he said, I am. And the Bible says, Then he said unto him, Come home with me, and eat bread. Then verse 14 says, and 16, okay, and he said, I may not return with thee, nor go with thee, neither will I eat bread, nor drink water with thee in this place. Look at the next thing. For it was said to me by what? The word of the Lord. Thou shalt not eat bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou comest. Can you get that? Are you following what I'm talking about? It was said to me by the word of the Lord. What's that supposed to mean? That means this is a personal revelation to this man. Am I correct? Very good. So when Paul said, 
I say this to you by what? The word of the Lord. What is he saying? It's a revelation. And anything that's coming from a form of revelation is prophetic. So you cannot read the passage with an ordinary eye of getting the symbols in a literal form. They are prophetic languages that God put down that Paul received. Are we together? Very good. So that's what it means when it says, by the word of the Lord. It is something given specifically to an individual. Is that okay? It's an instruction given to Paul. <laughs> Praise the Lord. In other words, this man was trying to say, a God passed my prophecy from the Lord not to return or eat bread, you know, after the destruction of the altar. It was an instruction to me. Praise the Lord. So when Paul was writing, he wasn't referencing anything. He wasn't quoting anybody. He wasn't quoting Old Testament, whatever. There's no reference anywhere about what he's about to say. Praise the Lord. So here we find that Paul was talking about what was a personal word, a revelation from the Lord, meaning this must be a prophetic language, and it has to be understood in a prophetic sense and interpreted in the same vein. Is that okay? All right. Therefore, the elements thereof should not be seen, like I'm saying, as physical things like air, clouds, and all of those things. We just need to understand that. When he talks about being caught up in the air, he's not talking about talking in the space. Praise the Lord. We may probably touch a little bit of those things and maybe that will help us. Now, let me show you something so that you can understand some of the things I'm saying, how Paul was operating. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 7, and verse number 6. Okay, we'll read from verse just 5. Let's run verse 5. Let's run verse 5. Or let's go to 4. Verse 4. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 4. Now, the wife has no power over her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband had no power over his own body, but the wife. Okay, then defraud ye not one another except it be with consent for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again that Satan tempt you not for your inconsistency. Okay, look at it. Now you look at this thing. But I speak this by, I speak this by permission and not of what? A commandment. I want you to get I speak this by permission and not by what? A commandment. In other words, God didn't ask him to say what he have just said. But on the other side, he got a personal revelation of what he wanted to say. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. Okay, let's look at, just move very quickly to verse 25. Okay, let's look at from 24, 24 to 25. Same First Corinthians 7. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called during abide with God. Now, concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord. I like that. <laughs> yeah? Now, yet I give my judgment as one that has obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. I have no commandment what I'm about to say. Are you following the argument there? The way it's going? Yeah. When it is God told me, have this personal revelation, it's different from when he speaks and God doesn't speak to him to tell what he's going to say. But let me show you why, though God didn't tell him to say this, 
but yet it is recorded down as inspired of the Lord. Go to the last verse of this passage. The last verse. What is that? Verse 40. Praise the Lord. Oh. Look at verse 40. If you go down reading from the virgin story, is that okay? Verse 40 says, But she's happier. Okay, just go to verse uh, 39. Let's take 39 so that it can make sense a little bit. Verse 39. 39 before 40. You read it. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Verse 49 says, But she is happier if she so abides. Now, I have a reason. Time is not there, but I can, I can let you know why he's tried to say some of those things. Because the time he was talking about that which is called the Great Revolution was about coming. This was before AD 70. He was even saying in this passage, it's even better that you don't marry because of the distress that time that we are. Is that okay? Right. So now he says, okay, but she's happier if she so abide after my judgment. Do you listen to this? After my judgment, because I already said it, I received no commandment from the Lord in what I'm about to say. Is that okay? But the next is, and I think also that I have what? The Spirit of God. Why? Because First Corinthians six seventeen already said it. What did he say there? He said, "He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit." You together, okay? So I'm trying to make you see the difference in the language that he used, so that when you start reading First Thessalonians, you understand that it was speaking from a prophetic dimension. And so the thing he was talking about should not be taken literally. No, no physical things. Praise the Lord. Therefore, when we read now, first Thessalonians and first seventeen by the word of the Lord, it was a personal prophetic word because it cannot be found elsewhere in the whole scriptures. Praise the Lord. Then the next thing we'll find at first Corinthians, I mean first Thessalonians four seventeen. Let's look at it again. Very interesting. First Thessalonians 17 again, it says, it talks about, and they who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Now, the word I want us to look at now is the word them. Them which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. With them. Who are the them? You see? Who are the them? I said, that this is the way I study. Little things jump out for me to examine is that okay and they give me a clue to what the author is talking about the point here now is who are the them we need to find out the them first because if you for instance think this is the rapture and this written some AD 51 or thereabout AD 50 51 thereabout and then you say this is the rapture and he's talking about which have been caught up together with them who are the them hmm? Is it worth looking at? <laughs> Glory to God. Now, you give me Amplified Translation, and I would like us to go back to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But let's take it from the Amplified Translation. And I will read down, if you can get it. Oh my God. And this is what it says. Now also, 
We will not have you ignorant, brethren, about those who fell asleep in death. If you can find the amplifier, put up the King James so that people can follow what I'm doing. But there are some things I want to bring out there. He said, Now also we will not have you ignorant, brethren, about those who fell asleep in death. Right? Which are asleep. Which are asleep. Now, you need to understand the scriptures. When you talk about those who are buried in the cemetery, those who drop the flesh, the Bible refers to them as those who sleep. Is that okay? Right. And that will be able to, for you to understand as we progress that. When you mention the word dead in Christ, you are not talking about those in the cemetery. Those in the cemetery are those who sleep. Those who are dead in Christ are those who are walking in life and the righteousness of God. And the people that are going to rise first, according to the scripture, are those who are walking in the righteousness of God. Not those who sleep in the graves. So the idea that when the trumpet sound, those in the cemetery will wake up, is very foreign to scriptures. That's not what he's saying. But anyway, let's look for this. And it says, um, where am I now? Okay. <sighs> Talking about those fall asleep. That you may not grieve for them, as the rest do who have no hope beyond the grave. Is that okay? That's what I want to amplify. So Paul was saying, now the basis of this first Thessalonians 4 was to encourage the Thessalonical church that had been going through persecution. Most of the brethren have been killed. And some of them through from the, the, the Jewish people. Judaizers. Some of them have been killed. And so Paul was trying to encourage them, don't worry. Don't, don't, don't think or feel grieved in your heart like other people who have no hope beyond the grave. In other words, there is life for those who have cried before they drop the flesh. Are you, are you seeing that? Okay, praise God. Verse 14 says, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will also bring with him through Jesus those who have fallen asleep. He will bring with him. Now, how is he going to bring with him? Now, it's not going to sound the trumpet that come from the grave. It simply means they are with him. What did Paul say? Paul said, It feels like he has to be absent to be with the Lord. So, but stay here is profitable for the church. How many of you remember that? Look of Philippians. Good. I would have loved to be, to be gone, to be answered from the body, than to be present with the Lord. So, when you are answered from the body, you are present with the Lord. That's why He comes with you. Did you make, does it make sense to you? And that's what Paul is saying. So, it's not saying He's going to come and blow trumpet Paul in the grave. If you are in the grave, how are they going to come with Him? They fly up, meet Him, come down and pick you and join them? No. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's what Paul said. And that's why scripture says in Ecclesiastes 12 verse 7, when a man drops the flesh, the spirit goes back to God who gave it. Very simple. And Jesus will pray, into the hand I commend my spirit. Huh? Hallelujah. Now verse 15 says, remember we're, going, we're dealing with the issue of them. For this will declare to you by the Lord's, by the Lord's own word, that we will alive and remain until the coming of the Lord 
shall in no way precede. That's why I wanted the amplifier for you to see it. Precede into his presence. Or have any advantage at all over those who have previously fallen and sleep in death. Praise the Lord. Did you get the picture? So when he says, we were alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. He's talking about those who have fallen asleep previously. Is it making sense? That means we are joining together with these same people. That's the damn. Praise the Lord. Okay. So he said, we don't have any advantage over these people. As becoming one with them in the body of Christ. We are all united together. We are joined together in one family. They have the spirit of Christ. We have the spirit of Christ. And all of us coming together. We form one body, which is the church. Even the head. That's what he said. You don't have any advantage over those who are falling asleep. When you use what precedes, you don't have any advantage. When you come into the presence, no, you don't have any advantage at all over them. Paul was encouraging the Christians who were still alive. To say, man, because you feel somebody are falling asleep, there you are grieving, you don't need to grieve. Because the truth says you don't have any advantage over the man are falling asleep because he has Christ just like you have Christ. All of you are coming together into one body. Praise God. Okay. <sighs> then he identifies from what we have just seen here, all those to join the class of witnesses. No, ain't that easy? Remember, he said we'll be coupled together with them. Is that okay? Right. Who are the we? We also need to examine that. <laughs> we all seen the them, which has to do with those who have fallen asleep in Christ. So who are the we that are joining together with them? Because that's what he says. Is that okay? Look at verse 17. Verse 17, very quickly. What did he say there? Then quit were alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. We just find out the them, those who are falling asleep. Is that okay? Good. And then he said, they were falling asleep, they are where? In the clouds. Watch that. Can you get that? Look at that. Then which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them where? In the clouds. That means they are in the clouds. So which cloud are they? So it means they are not in the cemetery in the first place. Then <laughs> they are in the clouds. So maybe they are floating up in the sky. Then we are going to go join them up. Now. Hallelujah. Uh, and this is, this is one of the things. Now, this is one of the, the things they, they teach us with when they talk about them which, which are love and remain. You know, talking about maybe the rapture has taken place and then. Uh, so we are the you know you have what you call pre-tribulation rapture and all of those things and they're talking about the, those who go through tribulation so those are the people that remain conjectures they have no clue as to what the scripture is talking about but i'll show you something uh, when you say somebody is alive and remain let's look at the scripture for instance talk with me to revelation chapter Let's look at Revelation chapter, chapter 3. And let's look at verse 1 to 2. And then I will show you something there. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, 
This thing said he that had the seven spirit of God and the seven stars. I know thy works. That thou hast a name. That thou livest and are dead. Is that okay? Be watchful. And strengthen the things which remain. That are ready to die. For I have not found our works perfect before God. Strengthen that which remains. Strengthen the people that remains. What does it mean to be dead? Is that okay? Alright. If you read this verse 1 from the Williams translation, William Barclay's translation, this is what it says. I know what you are doing. You have the reputation of being alive. But in reality, you are dead. So Paul is not saying, let this minister strengthen those who are still alive. That means they are alive, but they remain. In other words, what is that supposed to mean to you? To be alive and remain means this. You are dead in Christ, but you have not fully overcome what you are supposed to overcome. You are alive, but yet there are aspects of you that remains. Now, I'll show you scripture. In Ephesians 2, the Bible says, from verse 1 to 2, it talks about you have been quickened, who were dead in sin and trespasses. Is that okay? Come on, are you with me? Very good. You dead in sin and trespass. Dead in sin, not dead to sin. You are dead in sin. Remember, the people are living, but they are dead to sin. What that means is sin controls your lives. Hmm? Come on, are you following what I'm saying? Okay, now let's look at Romans chapter 6. Romans 6. Very quickly, let's read from verse... Uh, oh, which verse am I going to take from here? Let's read in from verse 4, maybe. Romans 6, reading from verse 4, but that's a long reading. He uh, said, Therefore you are buried with Christ, baptism, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the... Okay, can we read very fast from verse 1? Let's take it from verse 1. There's something I want you to pick here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in singing that grace may abound? And then he said, God forbid, how shall we that are dead? This is what I want. Dead to what? Sin. Now this little preposition is what makes the whole difference. Is that okay? In Ephesians 2, we are people who are dead in sin. But these people who have received Christ, they are dead to sin. You've got to get that. One is in, one is to. Now if you are dead to sin, that sin, sin has no dominion over your life. If you are dead in sin, sin has dominion over your life. Is anybody understanding me? So the man that is alive and remain is the man that is dead to sin, but some aspect of his life have not been yielded fully to the Lord. You follow what I'm saying? Look at verse 12. Let's just run to verse 12. Because of time. Time is almost gone. Verse 12. Let no sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies that ye should obey it in the lost thereof. Verse 13 says, Neither give ye your members as instrument of what? Unrighteousness unto sin, but ye yourself unto God, as though that are alive from the dead. 
and your members as instrument of all righteousness unto God. Can you get that? So if you are alive from the dead and some aspect of you have not been fully yielded to the Lord, you are alive but what? Remains. Is it making sense to you? Praise the Lord. So here we find that the realm of alive and remain is like saying what has the temple of God with Belia? You are a temple. But Belia activities are taking place in your life. You can find that in Romans, I mean, first, Second Corinthians 6, 14 to 16, the A part. That is to be alive and remain. He was speaking to a Christian community. Is that okay? Second Corinthians 6, verse 14. Praise the Lord. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion has light with darkness? And then the next thing says, What can God have Christ with Belia? And what part had he that believed with an infidel? And 16 says, or verse 16, And what agreement are the temple of God with idols? Are you getting that? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them, I walk in them, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. That's what he's saying here. You don't have to have a mixture. When you live in mixture, you are alive and remain. Is that okay? And then you find the same principle in what you find in Mark chapter, chapter 11, 15 to 17. When Jesus went to the, to the house... And what did he say to the people when he started whipping them and driving them? He said, my house ought to be a house of prayer, but you are making the house of merchandise. So if you're selling, buying and selling the house, instead of the house of prayer, you are alive and remain. It's a remote mixture. Praise God. So this is how to be alive and remain. Those who, I mean, the level of spiritual existence in the house of God, of being dead in Christ and being alive and remain, you know, as to who, how do I put it now, rises first. Remember the Bible tells us, uh, as we're going to go ahead, but if you take time to read, time is not there for us to read that. But if you take time, I would like you to read Ezekiel 44, write it down, and you read from 10 to 16. There uh, the Bible tells us of some priests, you know, who actually ministers the most holy place, and then again tells us of some people, are the sons of Zedok. They go to the most holy place to minister. But we have those who were just doing the altar court work. Do you understand that? Good. They were priests, but they were not allowed into the most holy place. And this is what I'm going to explain to you in relation to um, those who are supposed to, how do I put it now, rise first. So, but let's just move on. So what do we mean then? Those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the cloud, like we have just read. First of all, we got to know that the dead in Christ, like I said before, did not rise into the atmosphere, but they simply rose into the place of glory behind the veil. Just like Jesus, our forerunner. You can look at Hebrews chapter 6, we look at 17 to 20, you'll be able to see that. Hebrews 6, 17 to 20 tells us, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of, of the promise the immutability of his counsel confirm it by an oath 
And then he said that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. And verse 18 says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enter into that within the veil. And the verse 20 says, without the foreigner is for us entered even Jesus, made on high priest forever after the order of what? Melchizedek. There is a veil, just like I'm saying, the children of Zadok in Ezekiel 44, they were ministering behind the veil, but there were other priests, they were ministering the outer courts. So we can find that those who move into the most holy place, they are like they are moved beyond the realm of just being priests. Is that alright? Okay. Now, I'm trying to show you something. Uh, where do I go from here? Oh my. Now, so the one said we shall be caught up. Remember what he said in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 17. Those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Right? Okay. But then when you go down there, you begin to say, The dead in Christ shall do what? Rise first. And I try to explain that. It has nothing to do with those in the cemetery. Let me, let me even give a scripture. Can we look at Daniel chapter 7? I will know the verse right away. But let's look at Daniel chapter 7. Let's begin to read from verse 1, I think, to uh, verse 3, I'm sure. Daniel chapter 7. Now, the Bible says, Four beasts came up from the sea, diverse in one form or another. Okay? You, you just read verse 3, right? Okay. Um, we don't need to describe that. But it's talking about, okay, let's go to, I think, verse 17. Go to verse 17. Let me see if that is what I need. Uh, good. Thank God for spirit. You see, check it up again. Go to verse 1 to 3 and go to verse 17. There's something I want to explain to you. Okay, verse 1. In the first year of Bethesda, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and vision of the head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the martyrs. And then it says, Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four wings of the heavens strove upon the great sea. Now, anytime you talk about sea, you're talking about a multitude of people. Revelation explained that. Okay, look at verse 3. And four great beasts came from the sea. Divers one from another. Okay? Go to verse 17 now. This great beast, which are four, are what? Four kings, which shall arise out of the earth. Simple. So what does it mean to arise? To come to the place of power. To come to the place of dominion. To come to the place of authority. So the dead in Christ shall rise first. What is that supposed to mean? Those who are dead in Christ that God is controlling by the Spirit, they should come to the place of power before the rest of mankind. I wish I can get a witness. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's what it means to be dead in Christ. That's what it means the dead in Christ shall rise first. Because, listen, the Bible made us to understand Christ first, those that are Christ, and then, you understand that? Three categories of risers. So, the dead in Christ shall rise for simple means to obey the first people to come to the place of power, dominion, and authority on the face of the earth. That's what it means to be dead in Christ, rising first. Nothing to do with, <laughs> maybe, 
Dead in Christ arrive. I don't even know how to interpret that. Cemetery, trumpet come, pop, 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 dead in Christ rise for so. What's the next thing that's going to happen? Those dead in, dead in what? Dead in Adam, are waiting or something? I don't know. That's not what he's saying. Hallelujah. Okay. So let's pursue this for a little bit. And the Bible tells us first, Thessalonians 4 again, chapter 17. Uh, but did you see what I've just sung here? What it means to rise is to come to the place of power. You know, sometimes I look at people and say, man, this guy has risen. Huh? This guy has risen. And in a way, people say it in churches, uh, from grass to grace. Or, you understand that? Uh, grass to grace, and then when somebody has fallen from grace to grass. You understand what I mean? Fine. When you move from grass to grace, you've risen. Uh-huh. That way from grace to grass, you're falling. Simple. Why is this difficult for people to understand? <laughs> Praise God. Okay. Then which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. What clouds? That's what I want to deal with here. Um, praise the Lord. He said, in the clouds. In the clouds. What clouds is this? Uh, we're going to find out something here. This cloud is formed by the cloud of witnesses that actually comprising as it were those who fall in asleep the dead in Christ and the great cloud of witnesses of Hebrew 11 these three people forms this cloud that we are caught up into I don't know if you are getting what I'm talking about now remember we can live and remain shall be caught up together with them the them has to do those who fall in asleep in Christ is that okay those of us who are alive, we're living in Christ. Are you following that? Very good. We join in together with those people in that same cloud. And then we have the great cloud of witnesses of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Which has to do with the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. So these three categories of people coming together to form the church of God is what you call what? The cloud. That's where we're being joined into. Not the empty space. Praise the Lord. So, if you look at your Hebrews chapter, chapter 12, verse 23, 24, you'll be able to see that. Praise the Lord. So, to the General Assembly, Savior come. If you read from verse 22, from 22, it will tell you, you've come to the General Assembly. This 23 talks about General Assembly, but 22 talks about you come to Mount Zion. Hebrews 12:22. But he are come unto my Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable company of what? Of angels. Okay? Then the next thing talks about to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are reaching in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Is that okay? Okay. Spirits of just men made perfect. Can you go back to Hebrews 11? And then the last verse. Praise the Lord. What do you find there? It says, God has provided some better thing for us, that they without us shall not be made what? Perfect. 
So the spirit of judgment made perfect has to do with all of those in the Hebrews or Hebrews 11. Praise the Lord. It is from this dimension because perfection was not available until Christ comes and then they all died. The promise made is Christ, to be honest. That's the better thing that he had for us. But they all died without Christ. So we say their spirit were not perfected. And that's why he has to go even preach in the prison. To resurrect even those that are in the days of Noah. Are you following that? Very good. So the perfection is come based on the fact that these categories of people were not together through the blood of Jesus in one family. And that forms the cloud with which they are caught up into that all of us are caught up into. Uh, maybe I need to touch a little bit on what it means to be caught up. Caught up has nothing to do with you lifting up from the ground. Let me just give you a scripture on that. And then we'll, we'll pick up from here next week. But let me give you a scripture on that. Let's look at Second Corinthians 12. Um, if that is what I want. Second Corinthians, did I say 12? Let's look at it, if that's what I want. Verse 1. Let's read if that's what I want. Okay. It is not expedient for me, that place of glory, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I like this. Remember what he said? We speak to you by the word of the Lord. Revelations of the Lord. Amen. Okay, verse 2. And it says, I know a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God know it. Such a one cut up. So where? To the third heaven. Who was caught up? Paul was caught up to the third heaven by revelation. So to be caught up is to come to the place of revelations in God. Nothing to do with you living in the ground. This man was caught up to the third heaven, but was still, in fact, he still died as a human being. Is that okay? Hey, are you with me? <laughs> so to be caught up had nothing to do with your feet getting out of the ground. No, no, no. But the point is that you can be here, you can be seeing things that the person sitting next to you cannot see. It's a spiritual experience. Praise the living God. So Paul said he was caught up to the third heaven. You know? And then look at the next thing. Verse 3. And he said, And I knew such a one, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God know it. In other words, what he's trying to say is, I don't really know what happened to me. And then verse 4. And he now says, How that he was caught up in the third heaven, and had what? Unspeakable words. Which is not lawful for a man to do what? To alter. And the reason he was saying these things, that the things I've seen, the things I had, I can't say it because you are dull of hearing. You will not understand what I'm saying. Praise the Lord. Are you following what I'm saying here? So to be caught about nothing, maybe I'll deal with it fully next week. To be caught about nothing to do with you, be lifted up from the ground and then go up and then plate in the empty space. No, no, no. We caught up together with the sense of old in the cloud. We become a cloud of witnesses with which Jesus is coming through. So when you read that, in Matthew chapter 24 verse 30, and the Bible says, And there shall they appear the son of the son of man in heaven, and there shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and there shall the son of man come in, in the clouds of heaven with great power and great glory. Praise God. You follow what I'm saying? We form the clouds of heaven. We are the clouds with which 
every one of us been caught up into. It has nothing to do with the atmosphere. I can bet my life for that. Nothing to do with the atmosphere. Nothing to do with the climate. Man, you don't have any reason to be looking up for Jesus to come. Jesus is coming through his body. He's going to have a body that is exactly like him on the face of the earth. And no devil is going to stop that. Not even human theology is going to stop that. Because creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And there is nothing anybody is going to do about it. Praise God. We are the cloud of heaven. We are the cloud of witnesses. Our life shall bear witness to the resurrection of Christ. People shall know for true. This man have been with Jesus. We have been united with him. For he come in the saints. He comes to be glorified in the saints. He comes to be revealed through the saints. Revealing us that he might be revealed to creation. That's a lie for us people. Praise the living God. I love you and I'll see you next week. Thank you.